Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Happy Life Day, everyone. And we're certainly glad that you are alive to celebrate it. Yes, Arthur. It is indeed true that at times like this, Arthur and I wish that we were more than just mechanical beings. And we're really alive so that we could share your feelings with you. Chewbacca! Chewbacca, we were so relieved to hear you were all right. All of you are an important part of my life, pal. I'm glad I could be here. This holiday is yours. But we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear, we're all the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage, and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the Tree of Life. everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining oh man (laughs) i've i've never been more excited to do an ep i love doing the show it's one of the highlights of our week when we get to record but oh boy i'm excited because uh, this time, you know, we're not watching necessarily a movie, uh, but it because is we're for the watching holidays. a masterpiece. You mean it's, that's what we're watching? <laughs> uh, we watched the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special, the one and only Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, and I'd I'd never seen it before. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Uh, had never taken the dive and watched it, and. Uh, when you texted me with the idea to do this as for the pod to close out the year, I was like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, no, it it truly felt like fate because uh, as longtime fans of the pod know, uh, we launched in May. Uh, so we spent the month of May. Uh, our Our first four shows were all watching maligned Star Wars movies. We did all of the prequels and then we did Rise of Skywalker uh, so the show was sort of formed <laughs> in watching bad Star Wars. And so as we were coming to the end of the year and we were trying to figure out what Christmas movies to do, it was just complete luck uh, and and fun pro tip to everybody out there. If you have not seen this and you want to play along. In fact, you know what? We'll just go ahead and make sure that the link is available to you. But we watched this on YouTube. It came up yeah. as a suggested video for me on YouTube and it said, you know, holiday special, good quality, full thing. And I was like, that's it. Like I immediately saw it. <laughs> I sent a text to Andy. I was like, we're doing this. This is this is meant to be and I am so glad we did. Like you, I had never seen it either. Um it's it's infamous, but yeah, I I had never actually watched it before. Yeah, and I would even say that other than 
agreeing to start with the Star Wars movies. I don't think we've immediately agreed on a movie as fast as we agreed to do this. No. Uh, and yeah, if the reason that we haven't seen it and the reason uh, that likely most of you have probably not seen it, or maybe some of you have, but uh, the special was broadcast in its entirety in the United States only once on Friday, November 17th, 1978 on CBS from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., uh, and it was broadcast on the Canadian television network, CTV, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. in New Zealand and Australia. It was only broadcast in those places. It was only broadcast once. And it was so reviled that, that <laughs> so George reviled. Lucas spent years after this trying to destroy all traces of it. Like, I'm not kidding. He actually would buy up copies of it and try to keep them from circulating. But then the internet, as they say, is undefeated. So <laughs> once once the internet made it easy to share this thing, it's just there now. It yeah. exists. Um, yeah, it, it is crazy because George Lucas definitely, like when he saw a bootleg copy on eBay, when he saw anything for sale, he bought it, destroyed it. Um, he was under the impression that the original masters had been destroyed, but apparently those exist somewhere. So <laughs> yeah. the rumor goes... <laughs> Because if I had the original masters, I wouldn't destroy them, even if George God, Lucas no. told me to. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is an artifact. Um, this is Ark of the Covenant level artifact uh, in that I felt that my skin was going to get flayed from my bones at points while watching this. Yeah. in that the safest thing to do to protect yourself is to look away for sure. Yeah, just don't open your eyes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's truly baffling the the existence of this movie it, this is a year after star wars this is before empire strikes back this was you know a new hope being the hottest movie on the planet and everybody getting together and going okay what do we do next and this was the answer right this this is a movie that was so popular that for Christmas 1977, they sold empty boxes of toys with the promise that the toys would be delivered later, and people bought them en masse. And, um, like, Star Wars is, was, is, and will continue to be a phenomenon. Uh, and this was, this was, this was the second installment. This in an appearance on The Muppet Show, I think, was maybe, that might have been the second. This was the third installment. Yeah, I was trying to think. I don't even think there is a modern equivalent, but the closest I can think of is if straight up like after they released, you know, Avengers Infinity War in between Infinity War and Endgame, they just took a break to like do the Avengers meet Santa Claus. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever Christmas is on Groot's planet or something like that. <laughs> oh, man, I would watch whatever Christmas is on Groot's planet. For sure. <laughs> we got we got our pitch right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so it's and it's everybody. It's the whole cast minus uh, Kenny Baker. But um... yeah. So when I was watching this, I was like the, in the opening credits, they uh, the announcer like literally says, you know, and so and so playing so and so and it goes through the whole cast. And then he says, and R2D2 as himself. And I'm like. Are they going to do Kenny Baker dirty like that? And then I, I found out that it, he just wasn't there. It was a remote control. Yeah, I I did the exact same thing where I was like, what? And then, yeah, it's apparently the Kenny Baker literally was not. He had the good sense. He's the to, one. He was like, you know, guys, I think this is a bad idea. And I will not lend my, you know, acting talents I'm, as R2-D2. I'm going to be real honest. 
I'm sort of amazed that there was always a little person in the R2 costume and that it wasn't always remote controlled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's it's wild to think of when Star Wars was made and what technology was available to them and what they got out of that technology when you really stop to think about it of just like yeah now in you know in 2020 you're just like you just get a remote controlled thing like why why would you need a person inside right uh you know the motorized uh, trash can that is r2d2 but you did back then man um there's there's another popular movie podcast out there called How Did This Get Made that I don't want to plug because they're they stole our gimmick. But yeah, um, they they could use the help though. I mean, you yeah, know, if you not, love they, this I, show, th- you know, if some I think if like ten percent of the people who listen to this listen to them, it would really help them out. That would give them a huge bump. But I have to assume that somehow this special was the impetus for that <laughs> podcast because. Everything about it is utterly baffling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, in the most delightful and amazing 1970s Coke-fueled way. It's, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that anyone ever thought that this could be anything except a train wreck is kind of remarkable. It's not a good idea. It's not like it was a great idea that just wasn't executed. It should not have happened. Like, it's... The fact that, and I, I saw stuff like, I mean, you know, we've definitely talked a lot about, um, you know, sort of behind the scenes stuff. The original director of this quit after like a few days of filming that he filmed like two of the scenes and was like, I'm out. Yeah, no, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> Cause I'm sure that initial call is like, Hey, they want you to do the next star Wars. And you're like, Oh wow. This, wait, what? Are, is this a prank? They're like, Star Wars is doing a TV special, and they want you to be the director. He calls his mom. He's like, Ma, I finally made it. And then <laughs> has to call them, his mom two days later and be like, I didn't make it. Did you guys send me a joke script? <laughs> is this a bit? Um, and that joke script was partially written by uh, classic comedy bit writer Bruce Valanche. Yeah. Bruce Valanche, who I read, uh, was (laughs) one of his things that he was unsure of, which I'm with you, Bruce, was the idea of framing this movie around Chewbacca's family who speak in, you know, Wookiee and therefore would cause, as did happen, extended scenes where multiple Wookiee characters are just having a conversation that we do not understand, which is a choice. (laughs) i i i love that so much because nowadays like no any other time other than 1978 no way yeah zero chance um and we have to i think talk about that uh chewbacca's family is named uh his wife is mala his son is lumpy and his dad is itchy yeah, can you sorry? Can you break those down again? Because I was confused as to what the relationships were to Chewbacca watching it. So his wife is Mala, and then his son is Lumpy, and then his dad, who looked like a Yeti, is Itchy. Yeah, because so at first I assumed 
that this was like his mom and his dad and his brother or something, you know, like, cause it's kind of wild. The idea that Chewbacca has a wife and a kid. It is kind of wild. Given that he lives most of his life as a planet trotting smuggler with a scoundrel like Han Solo. Yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like he's got a family back home that he's what sending money to. I guess the, some of those some of those bucks that he uh, some of those Republic credits that he you know earns from various jobs he. But then when he, I can't imagine he was pulling in a ton of income once he joined the rebellion. That's what I mean. It's like it's it's not the right choice. Like I was like, okay, he has a family, and then it would make. But like. No, I mean, this is this is like heisting 101. We just did a whole month of heist films like you don't get involved in this kind of stuff if you got a family back home. And as this special shows, like, you know, the the just, you know, the Empire's just sniffing around his house looking for him. Yeah. <sighs> I think we got to go beat by beat for this. We normally don't do that, but okay. I, I don't know how we can't. OK, well, so you're we, not going to uh, believe we, us. Yeah. It, Please no. You, there are gonna be times in these next few minutes where you're like, "You guys are kidding." That's not really in it. We're not gonna like everything that we're about to tell you is in this special, and it it's weird. Yeah. So I I watched the special first, and then uh, Joel watched it later, and he was texting me while he was watching it, and uh, my only response was, "It gets weirder," and it it does, and it did. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely does. And you kept like multiple times I would text you what I was watching and you kept telling me that it got weirder and without fail, it got weirder. It gets weirder and it just keeps getting weirder. Yeah. So I, I know that you we're going to describe what happens and you're you're going to think that it's a bit that we're doing, but it it's not. This is this is the real plot. We're just going to go through and describe the events of the special that they made after Star Wars A New Hope, a, a huge box office hit. And then they were like, we, we, we got to write a Christmas special to capitalize on this. This is what they came up with. So we already kind of teased it. We start with Chewba Chewbacca and Han are in the Millennium Falcon. Good start, by the way. Solid, Solid start. This is how it should start. They're, you know, they got the Empire chasing them and they're trying to get away. Uh, and it turns out that they're trying to get Chewbacca home for life day. Um, and so then we cut to his family, uh, who you just described. Uh, and they're they're all very excited, uh, I assume, because they only speak in Wookiee. So. Yeah, we get about a six minute, six to eight minute scene of just Wookiee grunts. And also... And decent pantomime. Yeah. And if you're wondering, like... Oh, man, I wonder what that looks like. Uh, was it Kashyyyk? You know, what what does a, a Wookiee home on Kashyyyk look like? It looks like a 1970s American, like, you know, typical, uh, you know, stereotypical American household. There's like a, a woman yeah. in the kitchen and she's baking in a kitchen that looks exactly like our kitchens. Yeah, it's got a stove. It's got an oven. Um, they basically Flintstones it. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like is, is, I guess, the best way to paint a picture for you? Yeah, because it's in a tree, but it's just an American living room circa 1970s. And so, yeah, so they're they're waiting. They're, they're talking to each other. They're baking traditional life day foods, which is like maybe at this point you're like, I thought you guys said it was going to get weird. 
because you know that's okay it's it's sort of so far the only weird thing is that it's not subtitled it's yeah. just wookie wookie grunts and roars and it's with long <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's legit like six to eight minutes it's as long as a typical scene in a 70s paced piece of entertainment would be and then so when it starts to get weird is uh and i believe it is you might have to i believe it's chewbacca's wife but one of the wookies pulls out something uh that is maybe similar to like the holodeck or you like the little like game that so it's a it's a box that you open up and it plays a hologram and the hologram that it plays is Cirque du Soleil like it's some sort of yeah yeah Lumpy is bored as small children are often want to be bored you know they need some entertainment sure and the entertainment is a bunch of acrobats and jugglers and so that might be a thing of like okay so that's okay that's 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 a thing that Lumpy owns and that's what Lumpy's gonna watch to pass the time we see the full act like just complete several minutes circus performance as holograms being watched by a Wookiee child. Yeah. You might remember if you were a fan of the Muppet show that frequently sometimes their guests would be various acrobats and performers like that. You know, they had the mummers, they had, you know, a bunch of, uh, or the mum and shants and, you know, different groups like that. That's what this was. But not only did you watch it, you also watched Lumpy watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that happens. Then, uh, let me know if I'm leaving anything out because I have notes, but if I missed anything. Um, yeah, sure, absolutely. So next we we go to uh, the, you know, the local uh, shop on Kashyyyk uh, run by Art Carney's uh, Son Don. And good Star Wars name. I'm just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Good well, Star Wars name. And apparently, hilariously, some of the stuff I was reading was like he was sort of a prototypical uh Lando Calrissian type character was how he was envisioned as like a longtime friend of Han Solo who is also kind of a scoundrel so yeah so this guy was like meant to be something <laughs> and so he's running a shop he's communicating with the Wookiees because they're but like so what happens is the Imperial troops like show up at his shop and they're poking around and he's because like they assume that Han and Chewie are going to make their way back to, uh, well, it's Kashyyyk, even though in the in the special it's called Kazook because they hadn't settled on a name yet. Yeah. Uh, but so he's like showing the guy some of the stuff that he sells to the Wookiees in his shop. And then and then they call in Chewbacca's family. And so he has to speak in code to them as to not tip off the soldier who's in his shop. So he tells them that the shaggy carpet that they ordered has been slightly delayed uh, because the woman who made it is making it by Han Solo. It's just a few planets away being made by Han Solo. Yeah. So an impossible to crack code that, of course, goes way over the head of the guard. Yeah. So I was watching the special and I was like, when is this carpet going to show up? Yeah, and then a little I, while later, I realized, like, oh, Chewie's the carpet. Yeah. And and Han Solo kind of sounds like Hand Solo. 
Yeah, I do love, you know, we we might talk later about what did and did not become canon out of this special, but obviously when they made the movie Solo, they pretty much took this scene word for word as his origin for how he got the name. So that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, so we know that uh, the, the writers behind Solo uh, definitely watched this. <laughs> All right, so then we, uh, you know, we're back in the kitchen and we're trying to, you know, make a nice bantha loin. Uh, oh, for the surprise, baby. Yeah, you know, for for Life Day, you want to, you got to have the traditional. You know how it is. Like you go back home for Life Day, you want all the foods that you grew up with. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, but you know, we the TV's on to help. Um, and it's Harvey Corman playing like a robotic Julia Child named Chef Gormanda. Chef Gormanda, who's talking in English. Through how to prepare uh, bantha loin. This again is an incredibly long scene. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I'm gonna say solid bit with the different arms showing up. Yeah, solid bit. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's you know, there's some comedy there. I could see it playing well to kids. Uh, so that happens. Uh, we're still. Um, this is where. Let me know if I'm from. No, I don't think I'm leaving anything out because then pretty no, much you're right on. Um. Like then, uh, Son Don ends up showing up at their house pretty soon, right? right? And he brings some gifts for the family while they're waiting. And you know, it's itchy, right? The poor yeah. itchy. You know, he he needs he's a <laughs> you know he's a teenage boy, I assume, teenage Wookie boy. Um, so he gets a gift that he takes off by himself that Son Don gave him, and he watches, and we watch him watching, and it is psychedelic porn well no that's that's the dad itchy that watches oh. the psychedelic porn okay i'm getting confused as to see which we, but okay so the so for the dad um yeah because that would be weird if it was for the teenage boy but it, it's for the dad um he he gets it's just psychedelic porn yeah it's it's a, a musical number by diane carroll mm -hmm. uh, whose name is spelled like it's in the star wars universe but it's not yeah, D I A H A N N. Diane Carroll. Yeah. Uh, you know, disco diva of the 70s does a sultry number about wanting to get it on. Well, she does, but she also just like talks to him for a while. Like, yeah. hey, hey, big boy, I, kn I know you want to stick it to me. Um, so this isn't weird that this is happening on this special at all. It's totally normal. And a lot of like really psychedelic 70s music is playing. Right. Uh, so that happens. And then uh, from there, uh, the the Imperial, you know, the Empire, they show up and they're poking around. And so uh, to distract them, Son Don pulls out another gadget that he has. And it's another hologram thing. But this time it's playing Jefferson Starship. And it's just Jefferson Starship. They don't even have like weird looking instruments. It's yeah, just a Je then we just get treated to a Jefferson Starship music video that I believe is an original song written for this special. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so and that it's effing terrible. Yeah, no, it's it's really bad. Uh, so that happens, and then we're treated to an interlude, uh, which is a cartoon. Because um, uh, Lumpy watches a cartoon. Yeah, and this is the most revered part of this whole special, which I think gives you an idea of of what it's about. 
I believe this is the only part that George Lucas acknowledges the existence of because he was more involved in the making of the cartoon. It ended up I was reading on like a box set at some point recently. Just the cartoon. Yeah, it's like just the cartoon. Yeah. So it's a cartoon uh, and it's on um, Tatooine, I think. Right. Is I maybe I made that part up, but it's it's got Han and he's got sleep sleep poisoned and he's hanging yeah. upside down uh and then uh luke shows up to help uh and this is then the introduction of boba fett um who true to canon uh is utterly pointless in his existence in this cartoon but he shows up to help them because han has been poisoned by this thing that makes him sleep and then uh, Luke also gets poisoned because it affects humans. Um, and so... But apparently Fett, not clones. Yeah, apparently Boba Fett's fine. Uh, and then he's like, I'll, I'll help out. Uh, and so they go down to the shop to buy the antidote that's really easy to buy from just a store. Uh, and they get it. But then meanwhile, he has a message and R2-D2 overhears him where, you know, shockingly, it turns out he's a bounty hunter. And I say shockingly, uh, not because it's a twist, but because of subsequent movies will prove how terrible he is at being a bounty hunter. So you're like, really? That's your job? Like, didn't you cartoonishly <laughs> die by like slipping on a banana peel and falling into a Sarlacc pit while like a guy who wasn't even aiming a gun anywhere near you was shooting at you? I mean, he did get the job done in Empire. I guess. I mean, well, it's, in that. I, he let Darth Vader freeze Han in carbonite and then carried essentially a giant paperweight. I mean, he Jimmy Fallon did in that he stood next to Lando Calrissian as he did all the work, then sure. And then took the credit. So, right. Um, yeah. Like, so, yeah. In this cartoon, he is revealed to be Vader's right hand man, which, of course, didn't end up becoming a thing. Um, yeah. There were also rumors that in the early stages of sort of scripting uh, episodes uh, five and six was that Boba Fett was going to be Darth Vader's brother. There was talk of that being a thing, and then they end up scrapping it and just making him a bounty hunter. But mm -hmm. yeah, either so, way, yeah, Boba Fett sucks. And but then that's here's our hot a take. But no, he does. Uh, the you know the best thing he ever did was get his clothes stolen by Timothy Oliphant, uh, for sure. But uh, anyway, it's also the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> I don't think it counts as stolen if you just take them off and leave them for him, but I'm counting it. Uh, anyway, so then Boba Fett's like pretending to be their friend, but then R2-D2 figures out that he's really a bounty hunter and his, uh, here's the part that truly baffled me about this cartoon. When that happens, he just leaves. He's just like, yep. oh, well, I guess you, you guys got me. me. And then he leaves. Cha -cha -cha -cha. So so literally, he does just help them and leave, essentially, which is a bad plan as a bounty hunter. But on yeah. brand for Boba Fett, the most useless character in all of Star Wars. So it makes total sense. Yeah. So that's uh, the and, part that people love. Yeah. And that's the highlight of for the sure. special, supposedly. So, um, uh, w according to other people, because the real highlight of the special is what happens next. Uh, which is that then we go to the cantina back in uh, real. Also, we should mention for the cartoon, all the actors, the live actors are doing their voices in the cartoon. So it's Mark Hamill. It's uh, Harrison Ford. It's Anthony it's Carrie Daniels. Fisher. Yeah, Carrie Fisher. They're all doing their voices. Uh, but so we're back to live action. 
uh, we're, we go to the cantina, but also again, they're trying to thread it through this like overall story. So somehow like the Wookiees are watching this, which didn't make any sense, but like, yeah. So here's, this is the amazing thing is that this special, even though it took place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is unbelievably prophetic for modern technology and mm-hmm. modern culture, Yeah, because not only do they have flat panel TVs in almost every room. Uh, which is not dissimilar from a lot of households nowadays. Uh, but this is the invention of reality television. Yeah. Yeah. They're just watching real things that are happening. Uh, so we go to the cantina, you know, the cantina from uh, A New Hope. The most sizely cantina. Yeah. And it's all of the same. Like, I think the characters have different names, but we're using all of the same masks from from that right. movie, from the original scene before George Lucas went in and changed things. So there's like the the devil man and like all the weird the wolf man, the guy with the weird, like cigar chin. Yeah. They're all there. They're all there. All of them. They're all there. The whole gang. But the difference this time is that your bartender is Beatrice Arthur. Weird that they, cause she's B Arthur. Like that's who she is. But they introduce her as they introduce her in the credits as Beatrice Arthur. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's the only time she's ever credited as such. I think she was trying to not get credited. I think she tried that to give That could him, be it. Yeah. She's like, oh, no, that's not me. I'm not that. That's Beatrice Arthur. I'm <laughs> B. Arthur. Yeah. So so she's there, um, and there's a man with a hole in the top of his head. Where he consumes top, liquid. Where he consumes liquid, who's just trying to smash. Like, oh, he's, he's, just, he's going. He is thirsty, let me tell you. Again, yeah. played by Harvey Corman. Yeah, once again, Harvey Corman, and he's... Um, really trying to take her home. I will say this scene got like a sincere laugh from me, which is the talent of B. Arthur in that the, his whole thing is that he's fixated on what you said to me is why I know that you love me too. And it's, I don't remember the exact words I wish I'd written down, but it's something along the lines of like, um, I can't wait Th- to see you again or something it's like, like, thanks for coming. I'll see you again soon or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. It's something just like that. But the thing is, he's convinced that she said that to him, meaning like, come back. I want to bang. Uh, but then he overhears her saying it to uh, just another customer. Cause it's the thing she says when customers leave. Uh, right. and that did actually make me laugh. <laughs> like, um, and then, uh, the empire imposes a curfew, uh, which felt way too real in 2020. <laughs> they, they they ban all gatherings in bars, <laughs> indoor bars, and send everyone to their homes. Um, and so B. Arthur is telling everyone to leave. They don't want to leave. So she agrees to let them have one more round, then sings a song about it. And it's to a very melancholy, like minor key version of the yeah da 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 yeah but it's like sad and melancholy and it's kind of a sweet song in and of itself yeah because when i'm when i'm casting b arthur and things you know what i want her to do sing sing for sure that's yeah uh and then you know everyone since she kept the bar open everyone thanks her for being a friend and then they all get out um, they travel and, down the road and back yeah, again. Yeah. Um, and then, but Harvey Corman stays as a pal and a confidant. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm pretty sure they bang. I like, oh, that's, they, they get it on. Yeah. She so, does things to that hole in his head. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, but still not as weird as when the dad Wookiee watched psychedelic porn. No, that's yeah. That was the peak weird was itchy yeah. watching psychedelic porn. All right, so I think that's the highlights of all the weird stuff, except that then 
So we're back. There's another Harvey Corman sketch where he plays a malfunctioning robot teaching Itchy how to do his voice talking machine that distracts the Empire so they can leave. And then Han and Chewie show up and save the day. They have a light, life day celebration and all the Wookiees uh, die in a all at Jonestown. Yeah, they're in a weird death cult and they all walk into the light. And like, you know, it was, it, it's so, they're all wearing robes and walk into a light. And I did text Andy when I was watching. I was like, did they just die? It's very Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Uh, so that happens. And then um, the whole gang shows up. And that's the clip that we played at the beginning is uh, they really try to stick the landing as some sort of Christmas special where the droids wish they were human and Leia gives a speech about friendship and hilariously Harrison Ford is sincerely saying how much he loves Itchy and Lumpy and the gang, uh, which um, will never not be funny to me. No, never. It always. And uh, Leia also treats us to a song sung to the Star Wars main title, mm-hmm. which it's terrible. I, I read in some of the stuff reading about this, that Carrie Fisher wanted to sing a song and then really hated this song uh, when it came time to do it. Uh, so she sings a song and but then it ends and we're all better for it. Yeah. And it's truly baffling. What I love about this particular special is that maligning it is literally just explaining what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) we don't need to add anything to that. That that's the things that happened in sequential order. I think you can understand why it was bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, this is, I wrote this down. This is on the IMDb trivia. According to Carrie Fisher, George Lucas gave her a copy of the special as a gift for recording the DVD commentary for Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. She claimed that she played it at parties when she wanted her guests to leave. That's amazing. Yeah. She also, by the way, is the only cast member who would talk about this special in interviews. The rest of them were always dodgy about it. But of course, Carrie Fisher, because she's amazing... Uh, would talk about this to anyone who asked. Yeah, Harrison Ford, who probably hates Star Wars second only to Alec Guinness of the people that played in Star Wars, um, will just say, yeah, I never watched it. Yeah. And he's probably telling the truth. Yeah. But, and this is getting to, it's teasing some of my silver linings. He is more committed and dedicated to his performance in this than any second that he was in the sequel trilogy. Oh, oh, 100%. It's... Yeah, like it, it's. Are we at this over line? Do we just want to talk about this? Let's now? just let's just get into it. Because yeah. I think you guys get it. Why this yeah, is not you know, good. You understand. But uh, but yeah, it's the utter sincerity. Because here's the funny thing about Harrison Ford, who we both really love and love talking about, is that he doesn't like Star Wars. Star Wars no. means nothing to him so the funny thing is like so now as an old man when he does the new trilogy he just kind of does it on autopilot but back then when he still hated those movies and didn't understand why they were popular he plays han solo in this special exactly like he plays him in the the rest of the trilogy like it is an utterly sincere captivating performance as well that's you, a, yeah that's my big silver lining is that this entire thing is played without a hint of irony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody is so sincere and like and gives like reasonably good act like Art Carney as Sondan. Like he delit like it's, you know, he's not phoning it. He's, he's you know, he's getting cash in a paycheck. Sure. Harvey Corman. So committed. 
Yeah, and Harley so Corman probably has some of the best stuff in the special, which is a low bar, but like Yeah. Um, you know, it's there and that's like not only because of how bananas the special is and just how ridiculous it is from start to finish, but anything like that would just be so dripping with irony if it was made today. It'd be so many winks to the audience, it'd be um the actors would know what they were doing. Um yeah, actually, I watched uh, like the reboot of Say by the Bell, the first episode, and like it's clearly parody, but like everybody's like the cast seems like they're in on the joke and it sucks. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, this is and, following like Leslie Nielsen airplane rules of it's funny because everyone is serious and it's it if it was good, I think it would have been accepted that this is what happened after <laughs> A New Hope. Yeah, if this had a good script, it might have worked with how, with the effort the actors put forth in this. Yeah, they're just not given anything to. It's just weird. Like it's such a weird choice, and it's it's suffering from like clearly it's trying to be like a nineteen seventies variety show, but it's trying to hide that from you. So, but that makes it weirder and worse. Right. Yeah. It's. And it's a terrible choice to make it based around the Wookiees that can't speak English, um, nor are they subtitled. It's it's just like grunts and pantomime. And to to their credit, the actors in the costumes, you know, they did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame any actor in this. At no, all. none of them. Not not a single one. Um, yeah, it's it is such a time capsule. Such it like everyone is so earnest and I mean you can like Carrie Fisher looks noticeably coked out when she's on screen. How dare you? She was. How dare you? I I will not I will not stand here and have Carrie Fisher be besmirched. <laughs> I think she would take pride in that knowing <laughs> Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I mean she would definitely she, tell you if she was or she wasn't. Um but no, but I mean, you know, she she delivers B. Arthur play like you'd think B. Arthur at the very least being like even on Maud, B. Arthur was a little winky, and that was sort of like a bit of the the, the shtick. Um, but she plays it totally straight. Um yeah. no, everyone is utterly sincere. Uh and it's it's astonishing. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty great. Um it's it, but it is just it's such a weird choice just to begin with, to give Chewbacca a family, because again, like it's this weight of then like so everything that he does in subsequent movies he had a family back home that he was risking also they're doing this while not paying back job of the hut <laughs> like, right like this is what han is doing that gets him frozen in carbonite like he kind of deserves it if the this is where you're spending your time buddy like you're just hanging out with your friend's weird religious cult instead of like going to pay that money back yeah, basically, that's that's what's going on. Um, but we're at the silver linings point. So yeah. obviously, big silver lining is Harrison Ford and everyone else's sincerity, but particularly Harrison Ford because it's really funny. <laughs> it's it's so funny for just how insincere he is in the sequels. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's great. Um, the delivery of the line, it's being made by hand solo is definitely that's a silver lining for me yeah that that's uh, that's my silver lining as I, I think i texted that to you yeah um 
I'm just Harvey Corman, man. He do, like he has nothing to work with, but he makes it work because he is one of the most talented sketch comedian actors of all time. And um, he's every character that he plays is distinct. Like he's right. He's creating characters. He's he's sweating up on that stage, like to try to make this good. And I don't yeah. know that he succeeded, but he made himself watchable for sure. Yeah, I mean, he literally he plays a lovelorn barfly a instructional chef droid and a malfunctioning uh, manual for a toy. Mm -hmm. And he does it all. And it's, 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 he delivers, man. Yep. No, so so that's great. Um, It's what else? I mean, it's a silver lining to me that George Lucas spent years trying to get this destroyed and failed. I think yeah, that's, that's that's for sure a silver lining. Um yeah, I I I I would love this to become like an actual like remastered version of this to be on Disney Plus. I would think that would be so great. Yeah, I mean that's a sincere question that I have, which is who knows? And because George Lucas is no fun and because he um you know has been trying so hard to destroy it, he he very well might have in his deal <laughs> Like, I wouldn't put it past him to specifically have prevented that from happening. But I hope if Disney does own all of Star Wars now that that's a possibility and that they will consider just airing this thing like on Disney yeah. Plus. And just the fact that like um, on Disney Plus, they released the Lego holiday Star Wars special or Lego Star Wars holiday special, which is another Life Day celebration. So it acknowledges that all this stuff exists. Well, and but- the Mandalorian in the pilot episode, which nothing but respect to John Favreau and Dave Filoni for just like episode one. They're like, if this thing gets made, we are making Life Day canon for sure. Uh, but there's a character in the pilot episode of The Mandalorian who references Life Day. So Life Day is canon. Some of the the other characters, like I know some of Chewbacca's family has kind of shown up in various things. Um to some degree of continuity. Continuity in Star Wars is really weird, and I don't have the energy to try to make sense of it. But No, B. Arthur's character is, is at least part of one of the canons because uh, she's mentioned in a video game or something like that, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, some of it has been accepted, uh, which is pretty great. Um, yeah, it's it's a ride for sure. Like, it's... If you've never seen it, you and you're a Star Wars fan... You gotta it's watch this. It. You gotta watch it once at least, just to try to make sense of it. If you're not a Star Wars fan, this will not make you a Star Wars fan. It will probably further justify your lack of Star Wars fandom. Um, but man, it's it's so I, I will I guarantee I'm never gonna watch this again. But I watched it once and I'm very happy. Unless Disney does like the remastered version, that then maybe I'd give that a look. See me, I'm this is a yearly tradition for me now. I'm just That's fair. Every life day I'm gonna fire this bad boy up and, and remember everything. So <laughs> See, I celebrate a more orthodox life day that uh doesn't have all the glitz and glamour and the showiness. It's about the life. And the ritualistic suicide at the end. <laughs> and and the ritualistic suicide, yes. That's yeah. that's what my life day is about. It's really what it's all about. Uh, but no, this is great. Uh, and here's, you know, what's another silver lining that I do want to say, and I mean this sincerely, and I haven't floated this by you. So I'm very curious how you'll respond to this, but like, I'm going to just say it. Not the worst Star Wars movie that we've watched on this podcast. 
<laughs> I I'm standing by it. I'm really curious. Is it the second worst to you? Is it the third worst? Like, where does it fit? You know what? I'm just going to say it's the third worst. All right. I'll take yeah. it. If if you if I had to watch a Star Wars movie, uh, a bad Star Wars movie that we've watched on this podcast, I would pick this before two of the previous ones that we've talked about. So you'd watch this before Empire and Jedi? Yeah, because those are trash. Garbage. Just yeah. hot funk. Yeah, they just completely disregarded everything that happened in this movie when moving forward. <laughs> um, yeah, this is not the worst piece of Star Wars material that's ever been released. I will, I will, I think I can agree with that. Um, the acting is better than this, and than in a lot of the Star Wars movies. I will say sincerely, just having the original cast added and having the original cast playing the characters sincerely added value to this that like like when they showed up it made me happy like it it does it makes me happy to see Carrie Fisher play uh Princess Leia in any context uh including on the Muppet show like I, I'm totally down for you know any of them just so that alone I think elevates it above some of the other stuff that we've watched um yeah uh, you know what I I'm I can't disagree so yeah. I won't yeah, so all of that was nice. Uh, it was nice to know that Boba Fett's always been useless. That was yeah, he's always been a, just a, just a cool character design and a waste of everything else. Yeah, because so, he looks badass. I'm not. I'm not. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll die on that hill. But and that's why he's so popular because he looks tough. Oh yeah, and that's why I, that's why I'm so happy that the Mandalorian exists now because like they kind of took that cool armor and were like, what if we wrote a character that was cool? To go with that. Yeah. And they didn't. Din Djarin is that cool character. Yep. So I I, I think we I think did, we it. did we, it. Yeah. I, is it, I, I almost don't want to stop talking about this, but I think we covered it. I, yeah, I, I think um I think we did. And the silver lining is the sincerity that they play it with. And that's sort of refreshing because so many things are played insincerely nowadays. So I think, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So all right. So real quick, we're we're gonna end the show. This is our last show of 2020. Uh, so first of all, thank you for for listening to it because we launched this show this year. It's been super fun to do. Uh, this has been this has been definitely one of my highlights of 2020, and I hope that you can say the same for you all. Yeah. So so thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we know that this has been a tough year, and that's why I thought we should end this show and end 2020. By playing for you guys a little bit of that Star Wars holiday special porn before we go out. So so why don't you go ahead, find find a quiet part of a private room, close your eyes. Put on your Oculus visor. <laughs> Put on your Oculus visor and, and enjoy. Happy Life Day, everyone. Happy Life Day. I am here. My voice is for you alone. I am found in your eyes only. I exist for you. I am in your mind as you create me. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. <laughs> I'm getting your message. Are you getting mine? Oh, oh, 
we are excited, aren't we? Well, just relax. Just relax. Yeah. We can have a good time, can't we? Oh. Hmm. I'll tell you a secret. I find you adorable. I'll tell you a secret. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.